Welcome to the Edutainer Podcast. My name is Erin Albert. In this podcast, we explore the intersection between education and entertainment. Stay tuned for another episode coming up next. Hey, everybody, Erin Albert. I hope you're enjoying the new mini series on the Life Science Lawyer follow up. Today's guest is somebody I always look to for creative inspiration when it comes to my own career development. His name is Alan Spees. He's a good friend of this podcast. He's been on several times before, but I wanted to double back with him again to see what he's been up to the last decade or so when it comes to his own career. If you study Alan's career past, it's very interesting. He's worked in a lot of different spaces. He also has a PhD, which is something when I grow up, I'd like to have too, but not quite there yet. Anyway, nonetheless, give a listen to the second part of this mini-series, my conversation with Dr. Ellen Spies about life science lawyers and what they've been up to over the last decade. All right, well, we're here today continuing our Life Science Lawyer mini-series for season four of the Edutainer podcast. Now that we are in the official new year of 2021, I brought back a guest that's been on several times on the Edutainer podcast. He's a good friend of mine, Alan Spees. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Aaron. Happy New Year. It's great to be back on the show. Happy New Year. And I have never been so happy to say that in my entire life. I think we were all ready to shut the door on last year. So why don't we begin with what you've been up to for maybe the last 10 years since we've published The Life Science Lawyer, which I cannot believe has been that long. Mm, Wow. Time flies. Yes. Well, yeah, it's been an an amazing journey. And I want the listeners to know that this has not been according to some plan that I had designed, let's say 10 years ago, but, but rather the many opportunities that our profession provides. So 10 years ago, I was still in academia, you know, teaching pharmacy law, uh, loving that aspect of our profession, but being an entrepreneur that I am, one of the things that I kept looking to is how can I create new opportunities? And because our profession has so many of them, it led me into a really amazing journey that went outside of the profession of pharmacy into the nonprofit world, into starting my own business, to coming back and now partnering in in some part with the pharmacy profession, but really looking to now as I'm 49, also hard to believe, How can I help create opportunities for the next generation of pharmacists who are entering the workforce now? That's awesome. And and let's talk about that more because I noticed that particularly in the last couple of years, there are a lot of pharmacists, and I think 2020, let's be honest, put a lot of pressure on retail pharmacists in particular. Mm -hmm. They're looking for that something else. And I know one of the approaches that I get asked about all the time is law school relative to that something else. But can you articulate, Alan, your blend of both education? I mean, you've got more degrees than just about anybody I know. You've gotten a PhD uh, in pharmacy. You are a, an attorney. You have an MBA. Um, 
you're a pharmacist. So talk to me about having all of those experiences and maybe can you unpack as well going out of the profession and then returning to the profession and what that has been like for your career. And I know there's a lot of questions in there. Yeah, no, I'm happy to unpack that. I think one of the benefits, let me start here with getting education outside of pharmacy is the different perspectives that it will provide. And, and that was definitely my eye opener some 20 years ago in getting degrees in business and law. Because up until that point, I had been solely in pharmacy and, and pharmacy is my love and passion. But it, it showed me that there are opportunities to stay in our profession, but outside those traditional pharmacy practice settings. And so in that, that is where I have decided to really put those MBA skills, that entrepreneurship, that business uh, drive, and also that legal education, seeing things from a variety of perspectives, but recognizing what are some opportunities and even the way I conduct my business that not only is um, more from a legal regulatory perspective, but being able to blend it all together. And the beauty of that is that no two of us will necessarily blend that together the same. Yeah. I've been thinking about my own career and the fact that right now there's major changes happening in pharmacy benefits, even in, in healthcare mm -hmm. insurance in the commercial space. So can you maybe take us through specifically, I'm very curious about your nonprofit journey. And mm -hmm. I know academia is kind of considered nonprofit, but your, your specific work in SALT and your nonprofit mm -hmm. experience there and maybe how you leveraged both your pharmacy degree and your law background um, in that particular space. Yeah, you know, if I could sum it up in one word uh, in that experience, it was collaboration. And what I mean by that is for probably the first time in that nonprofit space, it forced me to get out of my silo, which at the time was pharmacy education, uh, a love and passion, and it really challenged me to engage with business, with the arts, with government, um, with, with leaders in different parts of our city. And because leadership is so fundamentally um, vital, and it's a, also a passion of mine over these many years, it really helped me build bridges and collaboration to say, how do we come together? Because we are on the same team, but coming at it from different angles to solve problems in our city. That training, that hands-on experience is something I use each and every day as I look to who are individuals, organizations I can partner with to be able to bring these opportunities back into our profession. Yeah, so let's pause, I guess, and, and focus on what you're doing today. I know you have a kind of a portfolio career going on right now. So can you share with our audience what you're up to today? Yeah, and um, it's been some fairly new areas that I never would have considered you know, 10 years ago. Uh, spending some time in the pharmaceutical industry with a pharmaceutical manufacturer was incredibly valuable to see, wow, these, these are the, the many processes and steps and how leadership's needed to manufacture pharmaceuticals. I had always seen the finished deliver product. And so that was incredibly valuable to see how complicated 
from a systems perspective, it can be. Um, also really leaning into more of the entrepreneurship space, not only having my own business in which I do leadership coaching, uh, consulting, leader development with individuals and teams and organizations, some in pharmacy, some that aren't, but also now really leaning into how can I help find these bright pharmacist leader entrepreneurs with opportunities that they are going to be able to thrive in moving forward. And, and specifically, I'm now doing some work in the, the home infusion pharmacy space of here are some opportunities that are very non-traditional. How can I match those with individuals who really want to build something? So maybe can you share with us, just kind of switching gears a little bit, uh, a question that I asked Professor Fink too was, I'm sure you get asked all the time about your background and particularly for pharmacy professionals who are thinking about going on to law school. What is your best advice there? And I know I asked that question 10 years ago when I wrote mm -hmm. the book, but mm -hmm. I'm curious if, you're, if your idealism there has changed at all or has evolved. You know, I would say it's probably evolved. And I still believe that going to law school could be a perfect fit for some. It is, it is not for all. And, and what I mean by that is I think it's easy to go into law school with this idealism. I mean, I had it. And that's fine, but there can be a real grounded in reality <laughs> real early on. And so my advice to, the, to our listeners, reach out to someone and I know Aaron, as incoming president of the American Society for Pharmacy Law, reach out to individuals who have gone to law school who are also pharmacists and ask them a number of questions. Because I, I think it's really important to know what you're getting into. It's a significant investment of time and resources. And I'm certainly not discouraging anyone from doing it. But I do think that there really needs to be a, a reality as to, okay, what, what are some of the reasons why am I going to law school? Am I running from something? Am I running to something? And then getting that perspective of what that could entail. Now, I didn't go into law school thinking I was going to end up in pharmacy education and, and doing some of these other things, but I do think it's important to recognize what might be some paths I need to consider if I'm willing to make that huge investment. I tend to agree with you on talking to others that have kind of walked that path. It might not be the exact same path that you yourself end up on, but I think it's really important to talk to others who have been there, done that. What about, you mentioned ASPL, of course, and Professor Fink is a founder of it, and we talked mm -hmm. a lot about that when I chatted with him. Are there other associations or resources that you recommend out there for exploring whether or not law is something you should tack on to your pharmacy background? You know, there, there's one book in particular I remember reading early on, and, and I want full disclosure to the, to the listeners, it may scare you, but it's called 1L, and I don't know, Aaron, if you've ever read it. It, it paints a pretty, like, whoa picture of what law school could be like. I'm not saying law school is exactly like that book, but for many pharmacists, myself included, and I'll just speak for myself, I was pretty naive in thinking, oh, law school is probably similar to pharmacy school. It's very different. There were aspects I loved about law school, 
but it is a different environment. And I think that book is a really good uh, resource to say, huh, well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. But going back to our previous point, I really believe sitting down, talking to pharmacists or attorneys, but talk to a variety of attorneys because they do so many different things and ask them, so what is a typical day? What does a, a week look like? Because depending on who you talk to, you may find out like how challenging, you know, the number of hours you have to work. And once again, I am not discouraging our listeners from going to law school, but I do think it's important to paint a picture of, wow, what's going to be required of me and for what I want to do, recognizing it's going to take a lot of hard work. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think to your earlier point, law school is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, um, and it's really important to talk to that variety of professionals, right? A litigator, for example, would be a very different conversation than an intellectual property attorney mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, researches patents all day in their office, very nerdily, to, you know, somebody like a litigator that is thinking on their feet and speaking more than per se writing all the time, depending on what court system they're working through, I guess, and what uh, area of practice they're in. But yeah, I think law actually, to me, has a much bigger bandwidth in some instances than pharmacy mm -hmm. or the perception of a bigger bandwidth. Although I think pharmacists right now have more options than they've ever had. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the fact that you have a variety of educational backgrounds. Do you think having those wider backgrounds of a PhD or a narrow PhD, if you will, to a law degree, to a business degree, do you think they've helped you make career switches more easily? I, I do. And, and it's not so much the content of the education, although you have to have the competency, but it's for me, it was how each degree stretched me in different ways. And it forced me out of my comfort zone. It forced me to be more agile, more flexible, willing to be stretched, leaning into areas that were really a lot of my unconscious incompetence. And that's not a fun space, but in each of those experiences, I grew. And I think that's why I want to encourage our listeners, if you're wanting to pursue something that, that may be very non-traditional in our profession, and I agree, Aaron, with what you said, we've never had more opportunities leaning into a degree training that's very much outside of your comfort zone will stretch you. And I believe it equips us, especially now in times of the pandemic and post-pandemic, we have to be more agile. We have to be more flexible. We have to pivot much quicker than we would have before. And it was those unique experiences that have enabled me to do this easier than I would have done. Yeah, and we are in the same generation and I'm curious if you feel like you are feeling angst about what's next for yourself. Not, and not angst in a bad way, but how do you set goals for yourself that are kind of outside of the structure of different degree programs? Because I think you pretty much captured most of them at this point. <laughs> so what is it that motivates you, Alan, to move forward with your own career? Is it, have you arrived at a place where it's about helping others and going your own way? Or how do you set goals for yourself in the new year, kind of at the big picture level? I'm very curious about that. Yeah. And, you know, I would say what motivates me has not changed. I mean, I really 
want to help develop the next generation of, of leaders, of pharmacist entrepreneurs in our profession. And that really hasn't changed. But what has changed for me is hopefully a bit more of maturity, and I still have a long ways to go, in that I always love new things, new ideas, new opportunities, and they're, they're plentiful. And I have to be really careful because in the past, I would have chased many of them. And often that was a good thing. Many times it was not. And I think as I've gotten older, it's having more discretion and discipline. Which new opportunities do I pursue? Because I still love that. Which ones do I not? With really a lens now as I'm looking at 50, you know, this next year, how do I put down roots and, and establish more that I can pass along? versus just constantly jumping to all the newest shiny objects. That is, that is much more difficult for me to do uh, than I may make it sound, but I think it is still having a focus in the midst of all the opportunities. And this is something I wanna really emphasize to our, our listeners of, it's still important with all the opportunities to have focus. The main things are still the main things because if not, it's easy to get tossed in every possible direction. So Alan, let's talk a little bit more about how you help entrepreneurs and where people can connect with you and uh, work with you. Yeah. So to anyone out there who first is thinking, wow, you know, I would really be interested in doing something non-traditional. I, I would encourage you to reach out to me or I would encourage you to reach out to any leadership coach. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of, of coaching. I've, I've experienced the benefits of it. I do it every day because it, I think it's really important to be able to talk out these ideas with someone who's not going to judge you. And it doesn't mean because you're sharing the idea, you're going to do it. You may think you're crazy. Others may think you're crazy. That's all right. Anytime any of us go a non-traditional route, that, that is the challenge. So I think definitely, uh, you know, reaching out to a coach, anyone who is out there who may be interested in building something. This is more of that entrepreneurial mindset. Like, how can I build something from the ground up? Uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to reach out to me as well. I mean, my email address, you know, arspees at gmail.com. I love these conversations. And the last thing I'll say about it is I don't expect you to have this all figured out. This will take time, it'll take journey, it will take others to help. But what I want to encourage our, our listeners is if you've got an idea, if you've got something stirring in you, and you don't know necessarily what that is, do not hesitate to, to reach out to me. Um, I've had wonderful people that have gone before me, and they still are there, who are giving me insight, advice, wisdom all the time. So if there's something I can do for any of our listeners, I would be uh, more than happy to have those conversations. Perfect. Well, in parting, Alan, thank you for being part of the show today. Is there a goal for 2021 for yourself that we could be of help or use to you with? And are you comfortable sharing it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, in light of all the things we said, you know, for me, Aaron, it's still about slowing down and being really present to the people around me. Because I am a high achiever, I'm driven by productivity, I love new you know, the newest thing, the shiny objects, and I really love what I do. If I'm not careful, I make the year all about the goals, and I love goals, but I'm trying to slow down to be more present 
with the people around me. And if you look at our profession, I believe this is one of the greatest things our profession can bring to those we serve. Truly being present with the people we interact with, whether it's our patients, whether it's other healthcare providers, whether it's our colleagues, because to me, the relational aspect of what we do is the most important. Here, here, even ourselves, right? I know mm -hmm. stress, burnout, they've been an issue in pharmacy now for a couple of years, but it was like they were on steroids this year. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I want to take another shout out to all the frontline healthcare pharmacists mm -hmm. out there this past year who and are still showing up each and every day. Now we're putting out vaccines and, you know, trying to get COVID back under control. And so uh, I appreciate that you came on and shared your wisdom, Alan, and I'm sure there's folks out there that are very interested in your coaching services. We really appreciate you being part of the show. And as always, I love watching what you're up to next because you're always doing really cool things. So thanks again, Alan, for being part of the show. Well, thank you, Aaron. I always enjoy our, our conversations and appreciate when we think about 10 years. I mean, that continued dedication, Aaron. So thank you for continuing to carry that torch that benefits so many so many out there, including myself. So thank you for your work and effort. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alan. Always great to have him on the show. Very inspirational when it comes to career development. He and I have very similar mindsets as well about the future, particularly of academic pharmacy. So it was really interesting to chat with him. Uh, also, just wanted to remind you, this all started or was instigated over 10 years ago with a new book or a new book back then called The Life Science Lawyer that I wrote really before I went to law school myself to understand what 30 or so healthcare professionals who then decided to go on to law school were doing with their own careers. I'll be sure to post the link to that book here in this mini series show notes for you. Also, Patreon superfans, don't forget, I have a bibliography that's a lot more detailed around pharmacy law resources for you over at our Patreon behind the counter superfans page. So don't miss out on that too if you're interested in that bibliography. There's lots of articles and, and 
information out there on this really cool intersection of health law, pharmacy law, etc. And as time goes by, I will be adding resources to that Google document for all of us. Until next time, this is Erin Albert. Enjoy the rest of the mini-series and have yourself a great day. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Edutainer. I'm Erin Albert. You can follow us over at Facebook. We have a separate page now for The Edutainer. At Twitter, you can follow me at Erin L. Albert. Of course, I'm on Instagram at Erin Albert. And of course, online at LinkedIn and ErinAlbert.com. Thank you so much. I hope wherever you are, you are staying safe, staying well. And until next time, take care. <music>